0: From am a coach of the Grizzlies, Knicks, here with me. Coach Fisdale, earlier in the morning in L.A., man, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great, man. I, I'm an early riser, so I, this this is right up my alley.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, Coach, first I want I ask you is this, man. How are you and your wife doing? I have a little boy on the way. Uh, how are you guys doing out there with this pandemic and in California with the cases are going up here rapidly out there?
2: You know what? We're doing fine, man. You know, compared to what a lot of people are going through right now, you know, we wake up every morning and count count our blessings, man. We got, like you said, we got a, a little boy on the way. Just saw some new pictures of him. Uh, he's pretty feisty in there, and uh, you know, we're we're pretty settled in here, close to family and friends, and so uh, we're we're doing fine, man. We just, you know, obviously are really concerned with with what's going on with COVID for for people that don't have the, the means to work around this thing, and and obviously what's going on in our country from a a uh, uh, social injustice
0: uh, standpoint. Now, coach, you're bringing a young man to this world. Notice mm-hmm. to make you really scared, you know, and really want to put more out here for you, young black men, because you're bringing one to this world. And how when we take away your status as a coach, mine's a radio host, that we're just black men, and that we are mm-hmm. targets, unfortunately, in, in this world. No matter what we do, once we pull off take off our suits and our ties, and our credentials. We're just David and Jr. in this world today, and how we can come about and come past this. Hopefully, that finally our nation is changing for for the better, for good.
2: No, you're exactly right, and I think uh, sometimes people uh, lose sight of that. They think, uh, you know, because you hold a certain platform, that all of a sudden everything's good for you and everything's good for your family. But that's actually. Uh, not true. Uh, You know, as you said, at the end of the day, you know, when we, when we take off the suit or the whistle or whatever it may be, uh, we leave our home. uh, When that cop pulls us over, they not, they don't see coach Fisdale. They see a black man. And so it's just, you know, it's really important for us to continue to open, you know, these communication lines and spread the message and try to impact change, you know, our, our, you know, people don't know who our kids are. People don't, people don't really care about that uh, once you're not entertaining them anymore, you know. And so I think it's just really important and it's our responsibility uh, to continue to, to get out the message and try to try to really change some things.
0: Yes, indeed, Coach. You know, I've been getting pushed back on the show here because I've been using my show for racial justice right now because I feel like it's very important. I'm 33 years old. You're in your mid-40s. We are probably the first in our gen- our, our generation of our families to have quote-unquote four rights, but not really still be free because, of course, as we talked about it, when we go out, we have, we have to move a certain way because if we're in a part-time, we sh- that's not for us, per se, or jobs nice for a car, or just because we could be have a gun in our head. That, George Floyd can be Coach Fisdale or J.R. McHenry. So it's like our listeners need to understand that, hey, we're – it, this is a real issue, and we can't run from it anymore because it's been, it was, people weren't were trying to say, no, it's not really a problem. No, it's been a problem for years. Now social media has made it where we can see it now. People can talk about it and engage about it, and finally, hopefully, coach, get us over the hill of change. And John Lewis spoke about his whole life who has passed away.
2: Yeah, and,
0: I, you know, I think you're hitting it on the
2: head from the standpoint of when, if people don't see it right in their face, they think it's not an issue. But you ask my family that live over here in South Central LA in Inglewood. You ask my my friends and, and some of my cousins who live in, in Memphis and, and out in Starkville, Mississippi, if, if this is a real issue. You know, my friends that live in Liberty City in Miami, uh, if this is a real issue. People that's on the ground every day uh, feeling the pressures and the occupation of bad policing. And you know, so I think it's a naive way to look at things. Uh, For people to get frustrated for you, with you, for using your platform to bring light to this, I say to those people, if we don't speak up for our community, who will? You know, we've been waiting years for everybody else to get it, Uh, you know, but at the same time, that's not moving the needle. And, you know, you bring up John Lewis. Uh, He's speaking to us from the grave right now and and telling us to use our platform, telling us to use every means possible. So that human beings have basic rights on the planet this isn't just about black people and what we go through this is us fighting for basic human rights for everybody uh it just so happens that we're killed at, at a, 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 a exponential rate by police officers we're brutalized at an exponential rate by police officers so yes our fight is about that but ultimately it's about just every single human being you know brown people black people LGBTQ community, women, uh, you know, disabled folks, you know, this is about their rights too. And So, you know, if we can't speak on their behalf,
0: who will? Most definitely, Coach. You know, my mother and father grew up, in segregated Nashville, Tennessee, segregated Atlanta, where they couldn't cross certain streets after dark for first getting beaten. My mother showed me a letter when MLK got killed where it was her prom night. She couldn't go to prom night without a letter because of the death, death, the uprising in Nashville. So my parents grew up in that. So the George probably as well grew up in that where they couldn't even go outside of towns without getting beat. So for me, I feel a need to for my mother and father and my grandmother and grandfather who couldn't, that I have a platform now here in Atlanta and to, to use it for good, to help people and hopefully it reach one person who will change, who will help somebody else who will change. So just reaching one can lead us to a, a whole massive change in my view, coach.
2: I think you, you're doing the right thing. And, and, you know, I always felt like, you know, it exposes people when you make them uncomfortable and and people have to start to take a side and that's unfortunate to say what they do It's, it's 2020 and you know black men are still being killed in the streets by police unarmed black men and it's just it's a time now that you either stand on the side of systematic hate and racism or you're on the side of justice and it's really no gray area in between that and you know, what I've always learned, I've always said this, to to become comfortable with something, you have to get uncomfortable. And, you know, I think this is a time where we have to make everybody feel the discomfort that we felt uh, for years and for generations. Like you said, my grandfather uh, fledged at the Jim Crow laws in Mississippi as a young male, he and his brother, to move to California for to a better life just to find out that it was right there waiting for him in Los Angeles. And, you know, for them to keep to have the fortitude to fight this fight and to at least put us in the positions that we're in now, uh, by no means will we be satisfied with the circumstances and, and let our foot off the gas. It, it is our responsibility as, as the baton, you know, the ones that's taking the baton uh, to really lead this fight and to, to make it better for our kids.
0: And, Coach, I love what the NBA is doing. Um, your committee, you guys are forming on racial injustice and, and reform. I mean, Coach, what you guys have been doing for, for the community since George Floyd happened, since the pandemic, trying to get people to be aware. And I'm so happy to see you that Lloyd Pierce here in Atlanta with the Hawks has been one of the lead, the lead men in the NBA CA for getting this thing going. So talk about what you guys are doing as a collective of coaches and what Lloyd Pierce has been doing as a, as a spearhead to get this thing going in the right direction here for you guys.
2: Well, you know, when George Floyd was killed, we were all uh, obviously, you know, extremely angry and sickened uh, by the, by the what took place. But Lloyd Pierce was the one that really galvanized the group and reached out to Rick Carlisle, our association president. And, you know, that day, uh, Rick had all of us on the phone call. Um, you know, obviously, it, it meant a lot to me. To be, to be brought back into the group from the standpoint of, you know, I'm not necessarily coaching the team right now. And so for them to reach out to me and bring me into the fold on this fight uh, really meant a lot to me. And, and Lloyd has, like I said, been the catalyst and the engine, you know, really fueling this thing. And the things that our focus is on is, you know, what we're trying to do, we're working closely with the EG, uh, EJI, Equal Justice Initiative, and Brian Stevenson, And with the uh, Obama Foundation. And what we're really trying to do is is a campaign for truth and reconciliation. You know, our big thing is how can we move forward in in fixing these problems if we won't even tell the truth about what has happened and and not having that willingness to reconcile with our past, you know, whether it's slavery, uh, you know, the Jim Crow era. Uh, you know the war on drugs, the the, the 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 just absolute attack on our minority communities through the prison system. Uh, you know if we're not willing to to deal with police brutality and what has happened in our communities, and all of these different systemic things that have have plagued us, then we won't be able to move forward. So we're really focused on educating our communities. We're really trying to bring to light. Uh, past events that have taken place, um, you know, in our in our individual communities, whether it's about police or some type of racist act or or legislation trying to be pulled away from people, uh, the right to vote and things like that. And so we're really shedding a spotlight on that stuff. But we're also trying to honor the families that have really suffered because of police brutality and police violence. Um, and then, you know, ultimately... Our our final goal is to really educate uh, our communities on, you know, voting. And I, and it sounds cliche, but we're really talking about, you know, fighting the, the the disinformation campaign that's been put out there to keep people from going out and voting. We want to spread the right information, you know, giving people real proper uh, basic information about when to register, how to register, you know, how to get. Absentee ballot, how to do mail in voting. Um, You know, we're trying to open up as many arenas as possible as these super polling places so that people have a safe, efficient way, trustworthy way to get out and vote. Um, You know, and really just staying in our lane from the standpoint of, you know, we, we looked at it and said, hey, we're coaches. What do coaches do? We teach, we educate, we lead, we bring people together. And so all of our focus has been on staying in our lane from that standpoint and really trying to put our best foot forward as an association. And and I got to tell you, it's been a real honor for me uh, to to be collaborating with the group of men that uh, are NBA head coaches. They are really dedicated to this. And I think we've all gained uh, a, 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 a higher level of expertise and knowledge when it comes to our history and laws and legislation.
0: And Coach Fisdale, I know Atlanta's already agreed to turn the State from Arena into a polling place. I know Detroit's doing it so towards Charlotte, so hopefully more get it as well. And let's talk about a part of the guys in your association, Coach. Coach Stan Van Gundy had him on the show. He was so great at how knowledgeable he was about what we have going on as black men in this world. And let's talk about how Coach mm-hmm. Van Gundy, Coach Kerr, and Coach just, and Coach Crowley always have a, the right word to say, and they actually understand. They, they actually get it, and are willing to speak truth, truth to power and help us in this fight because we know we need our white brothers and sisters to help us push push this ball across the goal line here to get us the change that we all want and desire
2: no it's, it's huge and for them to understand that responsibility says a lot about them and their character but it also brings up another you know really important point is that here you have uh you know these four white men with incredible character and conscience. Who want to contribute and, and do the right thing and speak up when they see injustice, but yet and still you catch black or I catch black as a black man who want to do the same thing for his own community. But it's okay, it's okay for the white man to stand up for us and for them to galvanize us. But when we want to do it, it's this underlying fear that our careers may be in jeopardy. Uh, the backlash could become severe. Um, you know, sponsorships may be threatened to be taken away from your show or from your team, you know. And it's like, no, you, you stay in your place. We have let you get far enough, you stay in your place. And that's where the, you know, to me, uh, we have to get, keep fighting and get beyond that where, you know, not only are we allowed to, but we are encouraged to speak up and speak out on behalf of our communities from the highest levels of the corporate chain. And you know, but it does take a pop, a curve, a Van Gundy, a Carlisle to keep that message front and center, especially to the white community. Because, like, we all you know, a lot of us have said this, and I do believe this this is a white problem, we're inflicted by it, we get hit by it, but we did not create this and we did not invent this, and you know, we're not punching ourselves, and so. You know, for it to get fixed, it's going to take um, our white brothers and sisters, you know, especially ones with influence uh, that can get to the right people to make the right changes. And coach, you make a
0: great point because I have lost three sponsors already, and I was sent a, a bad letter from corporate in New York, but. I don't care. I have a guaranteed contract in 2022, So I don't care. <laughs> you know, so you actually a very correct coach. Which is as great. You hit the head. It. I'm getting it right now in my role, but I don't care because this is bigger than me. I feel like it's my duty to speak up for my people and help my people move forward.
2: It is bigger than you. It's bigger than all of us. And what it shows you, like I said, is it, it exposes that discomfort will expose. And what it's doing is it's exposing people that are around you who have a, a, a interest in your show, but it's also showing, showing you who they really are and what they really stand for. And, you know, if this is bothering you to the point where you don't want to be a part of something good and help real change for people, then all you're doing is telling on yourself and really showing, you know, that you're a part of the problem. You're a part of why we're here right now. As much as people think they aren't, they're not the ones with the baton or the ones that's kneeling on the neck. But ultimately, they really are. And they're contributing to uh, the overall systemic, you know, racism that keeps people down and keeps people in their place. And so it's just another tactic to scare you. um, That's what they're going to try to use to get you to shut up. And what, like just like they tell the players, set up and dribble. They're gonna tell you set up and do sports, <laughs> and, and and that's all people want to hear from you. But we're beyond that now, and you know it's time for people to get on the bus.
0: I said to him, coaches, if, if Lloyd Pierce is talking about it, he's the head coach of Atlanta Hawks, I can too. You know, it's more life than it's the Hawks yeah. and the Falcons. It's more life than that, you know, and I'm going to be about that life. So if Lloyd Pierce can do what I can too. We're in the same city together with two black men with platforms in the city of Atlanta. We have to do this for our people, which, which is Atlanta's most majority even black city. So we have to do it for yeah. our people right here in the city of Atlanta.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, you're sitting in the hub of civil rights you sitting in the hub of Ralph Abernathy, Andrew Young, John Lewis, Dr. King. You know, you talk, you're talking about the greatest of the greats that have have come through there to, to try to bring along better change for our people. And, you know, these guys have, have streets named for them uh, out there in Atlanta. And, and you know, it, it is more it's, to be there in this moment in time as a black man, you have no choice. It's not, this isn't an optional. I think that's what people think is that this is optional for us. And, you know, like I tell my wife, and I've said to, to other people, is, you know, I, I want to look back, you know, when my days are numbered on this planet. And when my kids sit around with me and my grandkids sit around with me and ask me, well, what did you do during 2020? What did you do when George Floyd was killed? You know, when Breonna when, when Taylor and Amaya Auburn and all of these people were killed, what did you do to change anything? Did you just sit on the sideline, or did you get involved? Did you try to impact something? And I want to be able to look them in their eye and tell them I was in the fight and I was in the trench and that they could be be proud of their father or their grandfather and that it's also their responsibility now to keep the movement moving, so Mo-devil. you know, I, I I just think that's where we are, where we are, and, and we have to, you know, again, like I said, this is not optional for us. This is that we have to do this.
0: Mo-devil. I feel the, I felt the calling, Coach. Uh, the moment it happened. I feel the call. look, look here, I have a platform. Mm-hmm. One for listeners here in the city of Atlanta and beyond from Chattanooga, making. I have to use my voice, and I don't care. Like I said, Coach, I'm a guaranteed contract. So I won't be hurt no matter what you do. You know, any sponsor yep. I lose, I I can regain it back on my own because I started this from, from the bottom now I'm here. So I, I, know, I know how to hustle and get sales and get advertising. I know, I know how to make money with the radio. So you're not going to hurt me if you try to fire me. I'll sue you and still get paid and be somewhere else. It doesn't matter to me. That's why I don't care to say on, on the air. I don't care because this is bigger than me, bigger than you. It's, it's for, for the people, not people going forward. That's how I see it. Because if John Lewis didn't care about the people going forward, he wouldn't have been on, on the bridge that day. MLK mm-hmm. and March Washington, all these people wouldn't have did what they did, they cared about the now. It's about the future.
2: Yep, you got to think. They were telling MLK, slow down. Wait, don't try to do so much so fast. And, you know, here we are in 2020. We're still dealing with this. And so, you know, it's like I, I bought a T-shirt the other day I just thought it was really cool, but it, it, it had a picture of Kaepernick on it, but it just it had these great words. that says, you know, when we, when we stand up, y'all mad at us. When we sit down, y'all mad at us. When we kneel, y'all mad at us. When we protest, y'all mad. But when we die, y'all silent. And it just hits home that, you know, here we are. Everybody's always trying to make it about, the protest and they're doing this and they're doing that but no one seems to ever really want to lock in on what the hell we're protesting about and focus in on the fact that we are dying out here our people are dying and and the same thing that was happening you know to, to our grandparents through the lynching process is happening to us now through the policing process and, and you know now all prisons are that just privatized, you know, slave camps. At the end of the day, and and they're they're imprisoning the hell out of us and brown people. And so, you know, we can't wait. We can't go at the pace that's comfortable for them and for everybody else. We have to push this thing forward. Like you said, John Lewis could have easily said, you know what, y'all, let's not let's put this march off. And we wouldn't have a right to vote. You know, Lyndon Johnson might not have passed the act. So, you know, the fact that he had the courage to push forward despite the threats on his life, you know, like you said, they threatened in your career. John Lewis was almost killed. You know, Martin Luther King was assassinated. These folks, these folks gave their life for us to have basic rights. And so, who are we to sit on the sideline right now? When, when they're speaking to us from their graves.
0: Most definitely, Coach. And I also want to run this by you, man. Uh, you know, uh, we here in the NBA community, in the sports community, I flagged it. It's a perfect time because sports usually brings people together. And that's great because, like, you know, I didn't meet my first white kids I was seven years old playing travel baseball. And so, being able to have guys like J.J. Reddick and Caruso and Kyle Mm -hmm. Corver, who also understand if I've been around... Black guys, I mean, lock room, black guys know where we're coming from because their voice is so important, like Van Gunn's voice is very important because having guys in the sports community who aren't like, just teammates, but we get to talk and we learn about each other from our perspectives, and that way they grow and, and help their people see us differently as well. Not just entertainment or, or just when the, when the jersey's on, I cheer for you. When we get to the jersey off, I don't care what happens to you other than the, our team won tonight.
2: Yeah, I think it's like like you said. This the the needle will will only move so much if it's just black people spreading the message, ranting and raving, fighting for this. Like this only moves faster and and forward with the assistance of our white colleagues. Um, you know, white players in the league. Um, you know, white 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 folks in the corporate world. White people. In collaboration and and you know ultimately what i try to point out is this isn't a white against black thing this is a hate against love thing so when you when you look at if you just think about yourself as a person and we was all blank slates the people that's on the other side are just they just have hate in their heart and everybody else has to be on the same team and so if you take color out of it where does that leave a lot of people? And I think more people are on the side of love than they are hate. And the sad part about the whole thing that really, you know, it's part of me that really feels bad for uh, underserved white communities because what ultimately happens is they're being used uh, to keep, to, you know what I'm saying, by, the, by, by elite, rich, um, racist whites to perpetuate this lie that, black people are out to get you, that brown people are taking your jobs, you know, all of this BS to keep us divided, where those white folks got the same problems as black people in our neighborhoods, you know, whether it's, it's food deserts or, let, not you know, lack of opportunities for jobs, uh, you know, underserved schools, schools that aren't healthy, that got land in their water and, and everything else, mold in their classrooms, these folks don't have health care. If you take color off of it, we all look the same under those circumstances. And the sad part is is, is those folks are being lied to, to to keep us divided so that we don't come together to push this agenda forward. And so I'm, I'm always speaking to and trying to really shed light on the lies that's being spread, the misinformation that's being spread to the underserved white community because at the end of the day, that's how they keep this thing going. If you look at, you know, look at the Capitol building over there in Michigan when all those guys showed up with their guns and their swastikas, a lot of those people are poor white people. And they have convinced them and twisted their minds into thinking that, Everyone else is the reason why their situation sucks. Whereas if they would just look at their own kind that has the money, they would start to see that it's not everybody else. It's your own people doing this to you. It's the people with the power, you know, and and starting with our president. And, you know, it's amazing to me that they would follow a guy like that who was just literally just broken every every vow that he's made to them. He buys his goods from China, but he acts like China's the one taking their jobs, right? Like, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're the reason why these folks are there, but he just keeps perpetuating that message of, it's not us, it's them. And we just have to keep that battle alive and keep fighting because I think a lot of people with this COVID are starting to see that the truth and that, He don't give a damn about none except his reelection and his money. And I think the more people start to see that, the more we'll start to come together on other things because now we have a common ground.
0: Well, Coach, last hour we discussed Medicaid expansion in Missouri that passed last night. And I talked about here in Georgia how, in the rural counties here in Georgia, where the poor whites are, you have to go driving an hour and a half or 90 miles to see your nearest doctor. We could have spent it Medicaid here and got you on the roads here in Georgia, but in Missouri, even Kansas City and St. Louis carried, carried it over the fence. But in the rural areas, they voted against it. Who needed who needed it the most? I'm like, you constantly kind of against your own interests because you've been fed the BS, as you said, Coach Fizz. Dunham, I'm like, if they ever see the light, <laughs> and I don't know.
2: I don't know what
0: will push it over the hump,
2: but <laughs> you know, the thought of the thought of here we are in a pandemic, and he's getting everybody all riled up, rah 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 on his side, but these same people are the ones that he's trying to to take away the health care, and trying to—he's literally in the process of trying to end the ACA, the Obamacare Act, and. Get all of these people off of health care in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, I don't care how much you like somebody. My mom always taught me, don't go off what people say, go off what they do. Hey, Amen. And and what he is doing to underserved white communities is really criminal. It's it's that's the best way I can put it. What he's doing during this pandemic is criminal. There are people dropping dead all over this country. Whether you're in rural America or whether you're in the inner cities, it doesn't matter because pandemics don't see color. They don't see boundaries. It doesn't see any of that. All it sees is a possibility to spread. And the fact that he's going out of his way, he's put more time into taking away health care and hurting people than he is in trying to stop this thing. And that's really scary. And I'm, I'm just hoping that people start to see the actions of this person and, and not get caught up in this this divisive message of this person. Come on there, coach and I told somebody this on the last week on the show people only change when it hits their doorstep
0: right in their backyard. So it's hitting backyards right now. So that's when the changes finally came because actually, wow, my grandmother died, or I got sick, or my family. So now it's at your doorstep. Now you see what we've been saying for three and a half years, that, oh, wow, he really is what they said he was. Yeah, I mean, and that's
2: the thing. It's like, that's unfortunate that it comes to that, that people don't see things until it hits them. But, you know, ultimately, whatever it takes to get people to see the light, then, then that's what it takes. Because, you know, I never try to tell people what they should be doing, how they should vote, all of this stuff. I just want people to get out and vote and, and be able, be able to, to participate in it. And what I try to, you know, especially in my own circles cuz I got white friends that voted for him and you know I got their parents who believe in some of that crap and and my thing to them is well at the end of the day covid doesn't care at the end of the day as long as covid is running rampant you can keep yelling open up the open open the schools and open all that stuff it's not going to happen and so guess who's affected everybody and it doesn't care if you white or black or or latinx or any of that it is going to hit us all one way or another if you can't take your kids to school that means you're not going to work (laughs) at the end of the day and so and as much as all these people want to run around with masks off and and hang out bars and as long as that stuff's going on freely because we don't have a national plan to this then it's going to affect everybody and so at some point, like you said, it's coming into your yard, and you're going to have to deal with it, and you're going to have to face the reality that the person that's supposed to be leading us and taking us forward and getting us through this and really looking out for our safety is not doing his job. And because I had to call out our, clip, our people in Atlanta
0: who promoting the clubs here, having parties, indoor pool parties. I'm like... What are you all doing? You're hurting us the most because uh, you want to have a, a, a washed up rapper, have a concert inside of a club on a Tuesday night for a dollar because you want to make some money on liquor sales. I'm like, I have had to call out our people in Atlanta, our club promoters who are I, I, some of my friends with, but they're wrong right there, Coach, because they're hurting our people. We shouldn't be having the pool parties. We shouldn't be having club nights. Stop all that because it hurting us up so they're gonna kill their grandmothers, their grandfathers, or their uncles
2: aunts who might have what this condition and be in Daphne's disease. I, it's Coach Absolutely, lie, man. <laughs> no, it's, and it's uh it's you know, it's unfortunate that you have, you know, short sighted people who often are running these events because they say, Oh well, I can make this much money off of this tonight or I can do this but that's gonna end up keeping us closed longer. And that's the thing that, to me, is mind-boggling that people want to rush to get back to normal life, but they don't realize if you don't do the work in, on the front side, we're never getting back to normal. We're never getting back to anything close to normal, because as long as this thing keeps spreading, they're going to keep shutting us down. And they have to do it. There's just there's just no other way around it. You have to shut things down when super spreads are happening, and these and these it's really a selfish way to go about life uh, when you're having these parties and you're having these, you know, these, these, you know, open bars and people not wearing masks. Like the whole mask thing is just uh, that, that one, that one, how it became political is just beyond me. And it just goes to show you the influence of our president. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I look at it as the same as, as smoking indoors, right? Like, okay, a cigarette it's gonna kill you faster but secondhand smoke also kills Most so if you don't wear a mask you're killing me too and it's like that should not be put in the, the the freedom part of being an american like i thought we were supposed to be about our neighbor and look out for each other that's no that's no right you don't have no no <laughs> inalienable right to be able to kill other people with your virus, like, that makes no sense to me. And so I just think it's a really, you know, quite honestly, a selfish part of our our society who really don't give a damn about uh, others. It's really just about them. And, you know, it's really an unfortunate thing that, you know, I don't know if that's something that we'll be able to combat unless the president of the United States steps up and makes things federal law. And mandate things federally, because otherwise, you know, out there in Georgia, you got the the damn governor suing Mayor Bottom, exactly, because she's trying to save people's lives. Like, what's like that? If that don't tell you about how somebody felt about you, then I don't know what does. The fact that he's trying to stop her from saving lives, you know, and that just to me is just unconscionable. So. You know, when you have his minions doing that kind of work, just to, to win favor with him and, and, you know, somehow, I guess, sustain a certain voting base, to me, it's just sickening and scary. And it just goes to show you the, the depth of selfishness and, 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 selfishness and greed uh, that, that plagues our country.
0: That's what I got for you, Coach. Thank you for your time this morning. And I'm blown to every, every break. I don't care. You've been so good. <laughs> but, so, so, Coach, <laughs> tell me this. What is your fondest memory of coaching against the Hawks in Atlanta? Because I know you've been here many a time to coach against the Hawks. What's your fondest memory of coming here to coach and playing against the Hawks, whether it be on the, when you're in Miami, out in Golden State, or with, when you coach the Knicks, or with the, with the
2: Grizzlies? I would say um, probably the, the – the, I would say two two moments in time was my final. One, when I was coaching with the Hawks, uh, I just had, I remember the, uh, the series we played when we finally made the playoffs and we played Boston as a 1-8 series. And uh, Mike Woodson was the head coach and we pushed him to seven games. That was an incredible moment uh, in time for our young team. And then when we came back, when I came back with Miami with the pick three the first time to Atlanta and just the energy in the building and the crowd and uh, it was electric and it was uh, it was a fun night so I'll, I'll always remember those times. Atlanta's really close to my heart. I got a lot of close friends there. Uh, you know, living there for four years and coaching with the Hawks, I've gotten to know a lot of people there and it just you know to see what Coach Pierce is doing. Who's one of my best friends in the game. Uh, you know, really makes me proud and to see what the Hawks organization is standing for, uh, the city should really be behind them.
0: Yeah, I, I love that team. You was sister coach, weird coach. I love Woody's team, and I loved how uh, the Hazaza stuff to Kevin Garnett and got the, the, us riled up, man, and excited. <laughs> I mean, I was loving them days, man. But that, the, but the that team of made the Joe. Hawks relevant again. <laughs>
2: That was the invention of Iso Joe Johnson. He took over that series and literally carried us on his back to a seven-game series. So it's, it's a great moment in time uh, for the growth of that organization. And it was the first step out of them struggling and moving forward to becoming a playoff team.
0: Coach Fisdale, you've been great with your time. I told you I blew through every every break and on the man. I was not going to cut you off. It was so damn good, but Coach. We got to do this again real soon, brother. I thank you so much for your time, Coach. Hope to see you down the road again. Hope you and your wife stay safe in California. We got to keep pushing for fighting on, Coach.
2: Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. And you just keep those blinders on and you keep going forward with the message and, and leading from your platform because what you're doing, is right action and you're doing something good for your community and anybody that's not down with that uh it just tells you a lot about who they are and what they're
0: about well definitely coach, you coach we'll do it again soon brother but safe and safe coach all right buddy take care all right Dave on the boss man show <laughs>
2: Only five dollars after. Great food. We got drink specials. We got all kind of games, man. We got the pool tables popping. Whatever you want, we got you, man. Come on out. Have a good time with us each and every Saturday night. That's Clicks Sports Bar,
0: Memphis. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform.